0: and welcome to Volume 5, Issue 219 of the Canaan and Rinse podcast. This week, we will be looking at Shin Megami Tensei Persona 3. Some of you might remember that we covered uh, another entry in the Persona series, Persona 4, on Canaan and Rinse Issue 80. Play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 5, so games that we'll be covering soon include... It's Rage, Gunstar Heroes, The Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask, Titanfall, Jamestown, and The Legend of the Lost Colony. Head over to Canaan Rince for articles, features, and reviews, and links to our forum, Facebook, and YouTube channel. We have a Patreon now, um, there are no paywalls, there's no hidden content or anything like that, just if you fancy donating towards the show, then feel free. So, joining me on this issue, we have, uh, Ryan Heyman. Hello. Leah Haydu. Hi. And making his Cane and Rinse debut, Jerome McIntosh.
1: Good day, sir.
0: Hello. So, Shin Megami Tensei Persona 3, a game released in Japan in July of 2006, is a JRPG in the very long-running Shin Megami Tensei series, but within the sub-series uh, uh, that is the Persona series, is uh, the, a the third entry, strangely enough, and. Um, it follows uh, a group of teenagers uh, called the C's group who uh at a at midnight uh explore a hidden hour the dark hour that is hidden between 12 uh 12 a.m. and 1 a.m. and uh, through that they uh battle shadows and monsters and all sorts of things and uh Every full moon, they have to defeat a certain creature uh, that appears, and the objective is to hopefully uh, get rid of this dark hour, because the dark hour has a horrible effect on those who do not have the ability to uh, possess a persona. So, yes... um, Shin Megami Tensei uh, Persona 3 was developed by Atlas, specifically P-Studio, who is the team that uh, focuses on the Persona games. Um, The release of this game is a bit all over the place. So it was released, uh, as I mentioned before, in 2006 in Japan, but then a year later in the US, and then almost a year later in Europe... And that pattern will uh, continue with every entry in the series, except for Fez, which uh, fortunately came out the same year in the uh, in the US and Europe. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's been published by uh, several uh, different companies as well. So Atlas um, Atlas Japan in Japan, Atlas US in the US, but uh, Koei in Europe for the P- PS2 versions, and then Ghostlight for the PSP version, uh, Persona 3 Portable. Um and uh, we, the team behind it are kind of mainstays for the Persona series and the Shin Megami Tensei series in general. Uh, Katsuru Hashino uh, re- uh, is returning to direct. He, uh, before this, was on uh, uh, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. Uh, then he would go on to uh, direct Persona 4, Catherine, and he is the director on Persona 5 also. Hmm and um the composer is uh, Shoji Maguro who is uh basically known uh as the persona composer at this point uh but he's been involved in all of their spin-offs as well um so let's move on in uh move on to our histories um so let's maybe start with our guests uh Leah and Jerome um and kind of tell us how you came to the series and and what qualifies you as uh as you know we've brought on two guests for this show so why is this series so important to both of you uh start with jerome
1: okay um see i'm one of the people who came to the ps2 era late i had a gamecube near launch and by the time i had one a whole host of games had come out and my first foray into the Shin Megami Tensei series was Nocturne or Lucifer's Call over here. And I fell in love with that, the dark, like, morbid themes. I really enjoyed it and the story they went through. So I had, I when I was younger, every couple of years we'd actually go to the US on holiday. And while I was out there, I picked up Persona 3 um, a year before it actually came out in the UK, and for the next six months, that was the game that I played, and I fell in love with it. At that point, I'd just sort of gotten into anime, and I'd um, had I had a big love of JRPGs, and like for it to all come together in this package, and it it just spoke to me because I loved the fact that you could. Um, build friendships and connections with a whole host of different people. It focused on more than just the huge overarching, like the world's going to end or we're in imminent danger situation. And I think one of the main reasons I'm funny is that I was one of the most vocal people like, um, back in when digital cowboys was around, I believe, um, I was one me, uh, I, yourself josh and a few others were like the most vocal about this little gem and it's basically a game that i made quite a few friends that through this game just because of knowing it and it's because of that it stayed like a special series to me this entire time
2: so the original release of persona 3 Uh, came out right around the time that I started working at GameStop and I really didn't know anything about the uh, the Shin Megami Tensei series at that time. Um, It was pretty new to me but um, I had kind of heard just some little things about about the game and uh, I I've gotten a little bit better about it but um, it even then (laughs) it was it was uh, quite a big thing with me with if I thought I wasn't gonna be able to get a hold of a game that I that I knew I was gonna like or that I suspected that I would like, I'd pick it up anyway and just that's how I end up with such a massive backlog of games. And oftentimes the, the JRPGs that are kind of the, the little weird ones, they don't stay in print forever and when I was working at GameStop, I noticed that a lot of the um, a lot of the Atlas games, not even just the Shin Megami Tensei, but the, um, like the Digital Devil Saga games and um, just things, things like that tended to not come in frequently in a pre-owned capacity and when they did they were really expensive and they were kind of tough to find. So I ended up actually, um, and it's still over there on my shelf, I ended up picking up one of the um, Uh, I don't know if it was actually a launch uh, thing that they did or whether all of the first run of Persona 3 came like this, but I got um, a kind of a box set that has an art book and everything in it um, and it's really nice. Um, I never actually got around to playing the original version of Persona 3 though. I didn't play it until Fest came out um, and so I don't have a great grasp on how um, on how the differences between those two, uh, play out. But, um, I, I just, when I started playing it, I didn't get too far the the first time I tried. And it was just kind of something that I was dabbling in and I liked it, but I wasn't, you know, really pushing it. And, um, then we started talking about it on my podcast at the time. Uh, and it just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Um, and, uh, I, it was my first Persona game. I did not play Persona 4 before I played Persona 3, as I know a number of people did. But um, I, I really, if you pressed me to, to say which one of those two was my favorite, I would have a difficult time because I think that Persona 4 makes a lot of refinements. Uh, and i'm sure we'll talk about um you know some of some of this later but um i think it makes a lot of refinements in the gameplay formula um, but the story in persona 3 is just so dark and just so really unlike a lot of the other things that that were coming out around that time and and still are, have come out so um i i just it, it was unlike anything but it was also like other things enough that I didn't feel completely alienated and um, I guess a combination of the characters and just following that insane storyline with the crazy character design or the crazy monster designs in particular um, just unsettling and, uh, and really not afraid to pull punches.
0: Ryan.
3: I played Persona 3 for the first time back in college i believe just on some summer when i was uh uh went back home um after the university let out for the summer to live with my parents back at their home um and yeah i just kind of played it on those evenings when i didn't really have a lot else to do and i actually got pretty far in the game i got to the false ending and then thought yeah you know like I, I don't like false endings. It feels kind of like a like a rug has been pulled out from under me and so I just kind of binned it at that point. And since then, I've gone back to Persona 4 on the Vita. Um did really enjoy that, played that one all the way through to the true ending and then I've recently gone back to Fez for the uh for the podcast, but so it's not my first time through, but it's my first time finishing it if that makes sense, but I had seen most of it before.
0: So, I came to the Persona series at a point in my life where I had a lot of free time, <laughs> and I I ended up playing both uh, Persona 3 and Persona 4 uh, pretty much back-to-back, um, which took up uh, quite a lot of time. Um, yeah, I'd, I, uh, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. um, th- this was at a point in my life where I wasn't having the existential crisis of being an adult where you're like all my time is precious and death mm. is encroaching uh ever so quickly which is kind of appropriate uh, for this game in particular <laughs> um but yeah i i just ended up spending days like all day and and sometimes all night just playing the playing these games and just um, soaking as much as I possibly could out of them. Um, uh, like Leah, I I I'd be I'd struggle to name which one is my favourite. My gut instinct is to go with free, um, just because I think the story is. Uh, I don't know. It's I, I think it. it, it it punches a lot harder. I think uh, the narrative dramatic beats are more risky and um, uh, the stuff they do with the characters is more more ballsy in this in this plot. But then in some ways, I think Persona 4 is better written. Um, Persona 4 is certainly a funnier game, by and large, and um, I think mechanically it's a much smoother experience. Um, we'll get on to the differences between... Um, the ps2 and the psp version of this because there is a bit of a a double-edged sword situation with the uh, different versions of this game um but yeah i've played the the because i haven't played the original version of persona 3 i've only ever played fez and uh p3p um, I've played Fez a number of times. I I, I can't really think uh, an exact number, but probably like three or four times. Um, uh, those three or four times dating back to when I had considerably more free time to spend on JRPGs. Um, yeah, so let's, let's just move on straight into the conversation about the game. Um, one of the things that, is immediately striking about Persona 3, not only in comparison to um, other JRPGs, but actually the the previous entries in the uh, Persona series is the aesthetic. Um, the Persona games have always been dark and always had this kind of focus on, you know, um, teenage Japanese culture, but. This art style felt very different from the previous ones. Um, It's much more, um, it's leaning much more on the anime influence uh, now, uh, both in Persona Three and Persona Four. Whereas before, it it still had an anime quality to it, but it was a bit different from uh, from what you traditionally think of as anime. um, Whereas this was really leaning into it. And um, just the presentation—the having the portraits up on screen and um, having uh, the scenes play out in the background—but most of the emotion was conveyed by these portraits, um, and uh, and what I consider to be you know some of the best localization and and voice acting in a JRPG I've I've played so what what were your guys' reaction to um the aesthetic of this game, just loading it up and and playing it for the first time?
3: I agree with pretty much everything you say there. um I think I hadn't seen this before, although I'm really hesitant to call this the first game that's employed this uh technique but i I do really like the kind of full size character portraits instead of just the little uh you know icon of the face of whoever we're talking to, like we'll see in a lot of Final Fantasy type games and stuff but um yeah, I, I just, I love that it, it adds more kind of immediacy of the characters right there. And hmm. even though the 3D models are doing a little bit of uh, kind of puppet work in the background, um, those drawings are so dynamic and the style is so uh, so kind of fluid and expressive that it would be a shame to not feature that art really front and center.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's exactly what I was expecting. And, and I, I'm not not in a bad way but um the very first time that i that i played persona i think i was expecting final fantasy and it's not that it is really not and and i mean that in the best way possible because i mean i i'm a, a fan of the final fantasy series but you know it it's it's very different it does lean on that anime aesthetic i think that's absolutely spot on it's and i'm not as familiar with anime as as uh, you know a lot of other people but you can you can still kind of feel that making itself kind of known in 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 most of the scenes you know and and in the battles and just in how everything is put together um and the localization um to jump to that i i agree 100% with that as well it's it's probably among the best localized series that i can think of because it doesn't completely wash out the the japanese influences which is what unfortunately many localization teams seem to think that localization should be you know they think it should like it has to be completely transplanted into whatever culture it is that it's going into you you still are very aware that this is a japanese set story Mm. but it makes sense to people who don't necessarily have a particularly strong grasp on that culture. I mean, a lot of people who are playing this game may know some things, but they're they don't they don't by and large if they're playing the game in, you know, the United States or in Europe, they're not Japanese citizens, you know, they're 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 a little bit removed from that. And making it so that those things stay. Those references stay. They can still call each other Senpai. They can still, you know, have. Um, they still have the the feel of what it would have been like originally, but they don't. Um, they don't make it kind of impenetrable for somebody who doesn't live in that world to begin with.
1: mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because one of the biggest things is um the fact that they took a lot of inspirations, what um, what most, uh, most commonly known as dating seems like a huge part of that is day-to-day, like, operating through Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it adds so much to the fact that they're not, as Leah says, they're not trying to f- like force it into a hole that, like, oh, instead of rice balls, it's burgers or something like that. Because that just ends up, it has the opposite effect. It becomes more apparent, but um, what they've done here is um, just giving you the explanation context of certain terms like um, senpai, it's really awkward to try and translate that into how someone would say, because you wouldn't go to someone who's in the year above you hello senior, how are you senior, but in Japanese culture the word has that connotation mm-hmm. so to to keep from being disconjointed they kept those terms in mm-hmm. and really works well in my opinion. Um just going back to a bit about the art, um because I came from the um Lucifer call, Lucifer Call, um I was used to like the typical art style. But um because they were going for a more not strictly light-hearted but because it was more high school orientated and they are going with those tropes, they did tweak their art just a bit. Um the way I de- described it is like um the original art is like manga art where you have a lot more shading a lot more um like dark tones but with anime art it's more colorful like the colors pop more and they went for that with their portrait art as well mm. and that like bring cuz one of the big things about this game will be like emotional responsive of characters and you have so many different character portraits and sprites to represent that cuz you want you are making decisions of how people react
0: and something um i didn't think about um uh, at the time when we recorded the persona 4 podcast was that um you know linking the the art direction and the localization together because you the um localization team aren't having to lip sync yeah. uh, the localized uh dialogue it gives them a lot of freedom to make the Voice acting and the dialogue feel a lot more organic and natural than most anime or uh, Japanese video games. Um, I, I just think the quality of the voice acting here is uh, really is a, a step above most JRPGs, and I do think that that decision to have the portraits and not animate the uh, the three D. Uh, figures mouths has actually helped the localization team a great deal because yeah like the the voice act now i mean there are some weaker uh voice actors i i'm I'm not convinced that fuka is the best voice actress in the world but mitsuru and, and yukari and junpei like all of their performances feel really natural and and organic in a way that i haven't seen in any other jrpg um another uh, part of the aesthetic is the uh, music um we we talked about the music in persona 4 uh, and in a lot of ways uh, this is drawing from the same inspirations it's very j-pop inspired r&b hip hop there is some classical piano pieces in there as well mixed with some a el- lot uh, electronic music But by and large, the, you know, the vast majority of the soundtrack is these um, hip hop, J-pop tracks, which I love. Uh, I I don't understand why, because as I said on the previous Persona podcast, normally this is a genre of music that I would hate. But for whatever reason... Uh, no matter how um, badly they're singing in, in English and, and what have you, I just, I find all of these tunes <laughs> catchy. And I even love the fourth wall breaking rapper who occasionally addresses the player directly with uh, instructions on what they have to do in order to conquer the opponent or what have you. I just, it's it's, for whatever reason, it fits the overall tone of the game. I, even even when it's you know the music is super silly like the um mass destruction tune which yeah. is I love is, mass destruction so much it's so so cheesy it's so cheesy yet it's so catchy and it just worms its way into your brain um and for for whatever reason it works even though the tone of the game is so dark and so um you know it's this you know the stuff in this game it's it, it's talking about death it's talking about suicide it's the subject matter is dark and then you've got this tune where it's just some rapper and a girl going baby baby over and over <laughs> again and, it, and it's just glorious uh, what do you guys think of the music
1: i think like this is one of persona 3's biggest um strengths is the juxtaposition of their songs, alongside with the actual what's going on, like you, you, you sort of expect yourself to be like have more melodramatic tones at this point. But to have like, as you said, that baby, baby, baby song, like I, like, I know I should be taking this a bit seriously, but I, I'm just really into this right now. Mm. And I think because there is there is a bit of grinding, like quite a bit of grinding throughout <laughs> the game, having good music that you want to listen to. Actually yeah. helps with that fact. Uh, like, I, yeah, one like one of my favourite tracks is um, it's the Watto dormitory track, and like I have literally just gone in there and left the game just to listen to that song, yeah. and I love it when the guys start rapping because I can't quite understand what he's saying, but he really seems to be into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm
2: right there with uh with you Josh. Like I if you had presented this music to me in a vacuum, I I I probably wouldn't have given it even a thought, much less, you know, that it's it, I it fits and it's <laughs> it's wonderfully constructed and placed where it is and um I have mass destruction on my gym playlist and <laughs> I could probably listen to that on loop for like an hour. I I don't know why, but um yeah, I I love the music.
3: I feel real I feel really kind of unqualified to even talk about my own opinions about the soundtrack because I think that in in my experience in both Persona 3 and Persona 4, I start liking the soundtrack a few months into the game cycle pretty much. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like uh Stockholm syndrome or or whatever because this music is kind of constantly repeating and mercifully it does uh change its tone and do kind of like smart little remixes of it like usually when the quarter turns or uh you know in the new season or whatever um but i think there are a few tracks in there that are pretty um pretty smart tracks that are pretty catchy that i i, I do really like a lot um I never really warmed up to the hip hop pieces, Uh, not because I don't like hip hop. It's actually kind of one of my choice genres when I'm just listening to music. But it's just the hip hop in here never really did anything for me. But um, all that J-pop stuff I do really like. But I have no idea whether it's because of the forced exposure that I put myself through.
0: Um, Before we move on to the story and the characters and and how that um, links to the gameplay, um, I wanted to briefly touch on uh, on the differences between the versions of Persona 3 regarding presentation. Um, So uh, P3P, uh, which came out on the PSP, Uh, in 2009 in Japan and then uh, subsequent years in the US and Europe um, that had quite a drastic change in its presentation in that um, the anime cutscenes, which are peppered throughout the campaign, are not there. They have been replaced by uh, scenes with uh, the portraits of characters instead. And uh, also the scenes as they play out with the characters in the background with their 3D models has been removed as well. So it is just the portraits uh, emoting along with dialogue uh, scrolling uh, along the bottom of the screen. Um, Not only that, but uh, a lot of the exploration of the city um, has been reduced to menus that you uh, uh, just, you know, uh, run through um, instead of uh, actually physically moving your character from place to place. Um, now, speaking personally, uh, I really found found that change really jarring. Um, I think Persona 3 uh, Portable makes some other changes that we'll get onto later that um, can be argued as an improvement but um, the downgrade in presentation for me actually meant that uh, overall I, I just couldn't enjoy Persona 3 Portable nearly as much um, because I, I do think the presentation was a key factor in why I love these games so much and, um, and the atmosphere they create is, is really important to me, so take that away and, and suddenly... Uh I'm not as engrossed. Um I feel free to disagree with me, uh if anyone has some opposing opinions.
2: I, I do to a certain extent. Um I, I agree <laughs> I agree that taking away those cutscenes you do lose something. And I don't know that I don't know if I would have wanted Persona 3 portable to be my first experience with Persona Three. Mm-hmm. But I as you say we'll talk about the um the actual gameplay um, differences. Uh, a little bit later, but those made a huge difference for me. Um, and I I don't I don't know that I'm prepared to say that I prefer Persona 3 Portable, but I prefer playing Persona 3 Portable. Um, so I I don't. They both they both have some really strong points, and they both you know have a couple of things that could be improved upon. I would love to see a Persona 3 Golden that um, yeah. you know. Yeah took the gameplay improvements and uh kept those but put the cutscenes back in. I mean that would obviously be perfect. Um I don't think we're ever going to get that sadly, but um I can I can dream.
1: Yeah, um I'm actually in the same camp as you Josh. Um I I am someone who enjoyed uh exploring the environments like just having my character run around and um the removal of the cutscenes in those sections does it it because of that, I only actually played through P3P once, as as opposed to at least twice with each other of the versions. Um, the problem is, like, I understand why they did it, because the PSP had, had enough limitations, and a lot of other, like, games in that genre that pr- primarily only came out in Japan were pr- mainly just portraits and didn't really have the cutscenes or exploration it is. Uh, traveling through sections by menu so whilst I understand the changes um, I don't quite I couldn't recommend it as definitive edition but I do like the one major edition that we'll probably get into later
3: uh, can I ask, did the, uh, did the menuification of the traversal of the uh, city, I suppose, make it any faster to get around? Because sometimes I felt after school particularly, if I wanted to go and hang out with somebody in particular, then it would take me a long time to walk downstairs and get on the train and go to where I wanted to go. And, you know, maybe they weren't even there on that day. And it was just a little bit like it, it kind of wore on me after a
1: while. Yeah, it does make those sections a lot quicker because you don't have to physically move your character through those spaces.
2: There's no fast travel in 3, is there? I
1: I think there really should be. On the city scale stuff, yes, but once you're in an area, no.
0: Okay, so uh, let's move on to the story and characters. Um, So... Uh, the main story is called The Journey in uh, Persona Free Fez because Persona Free Fez introduced a epilogue campaign called The Answer, um, which I'm not sure everyone on this podcast has actually played, um, but uh, there's not a huge amount to talk about uh, in The Answer, so those of us who have experienced it will briefly touch on that later on. But The Journey... Um, is the campaign featured in every version of Persona 3. Um, So anyone who's played it it has experienced this. Um, And it focuses on a group of teenagers called Seas and their journeys uh, through the Dark Hour and specifically a building called Tartarus, which they need to ascend. Um, Every full moon, they have to defeat a... Uh, Shadow that uh, represents a specific arcana. Uh, Now, they've been told that uh, by defeating these specific shadows, the Dark Hour will disappear. Um, The Dark Hour is causing all sorts of problems for regular folk. um, Those who do not have the ability to possess a persona and find themselves uh, self-aware within the dark hour instead of inside these really creepy coffins that everyone else ends up in um, ends up falling victim to the shadows and suffering from a condition called the apathy syndrome um, yeah so there are various twists and turns uh, throughout the plot which um, we'll get on to but I just want to kind of talk about the characters first before we dive into that stuff, because I think um, they're really the core of the experience. Um, as, As much as I love the gameplay, I think every Persona fan will agree that um, the characters are kind of the driving force for you to carry on playing it even above and beyond the plot, really. Um, it's the characters that you want to have closure with, at least in in my opinion um, and and they're the people that uh, uh, that uh, drive you to complete these games. Um, do are there any standouts uh, specifically amongst um, Cs for you guys characters that really, kind of spoke to you or ended up intriguing you?
2: I I would have to say that my favorite and um someone who always ends up in my party uh is Mitsuru. Um yeah. I, mm-hmm. I I feel mm-hmm. that she is extremely well written. Um I think that her um I, I, her voice actress is is wonderful and I've I've heard her since and a couple of other things. And I've always had that moment where I go, oh Mitsuru, what uh <sighs> following Mitsuru, through finding her to be this kind of impenetrable, very professional um, woman. I mean, she's she's a girl, but she's she's you know on her way to becoming basically the head of her her, her corporation in time. You know, but um, she she doesn't let a whole lot of cracks show. Um, until you start to get to know her and to find out what's going on with her family which is some messed up stuff um and and just finding out all of these things about her and and kind of seeing how they all combine to make her into who she has become and and why you know she feels that she has to be this this kind of untouchable um pristine person is really fascinating to me and i think i think that the writing combined with the acting really pulls that off well
0: yeah um mitsuru stands out as my favorite character not only in this game but both um both persona 3 and persona 4 yeah i think her arc is really it's it's really fascinating um i, I mean ultimately it kind of comes down to Oh she seems really you know um she's got like a brick wall around her and she seems really tough and uh, unemotional but actually she's got a soft center that she hides from everyone uh, because she needs to be the you know put on a brave face that doesn't sound like a particularly original kind of character arc for anyone to have but because of the way um persona kind of draws things out um over a longer um, period of time than you know, even most TV shows. Um, I I really enjoyed kind of peeling back the layers and, and seeing more and more of of the side of her that she hides from everyone. Yeah. And I I you know specifically I think the relationship between her and Yukari is really great. Now you I think Yukari makes a lot of choices in the narrative uh, at certain points that irritate me. <laughs> but I, I, I would I, I'd be hard pressed to say that she's actually a bad character. I think Yukari's a, a great character. She just happens to, uh, come into conflict with my favorite car <laughs> favorite character a few too many times. But ultimately, um, th- their relationship, their evolving relationship, and how they end up becoming really close friends, um, was fascinating because Mitsuru basically at one point in the game completely breaks down and gives up Mm. and it's yukari not the protagonist not the main character but it's yukari that breaks her out of it and shows her that you know there's still there's still a battle worth fighting for and yeah just that kind of that kind of um, relationship between um, two uh, two female characters is something that I rarely see in video games. I'm not I'm not going to say I never see, but um, I I can't think of many other examples of two two friends, and and ultimately it's because often. Yukari would be the protagonist or the male character who's breaking Mitsuru out of this. And it, it was so great to have it not be another male character kind of shake Mitsuru out of it. it and it would actually be, you know, you know these two women coming together. Um, yeah, M- Mitsuru is definitely my favorite. Um, anyone
1: else? Um, yep, yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Mitsuru is my favorite. Um, one of my. One of the others that I really enjoy is Junpei. Um, like, I, one, the type of characters I'm always interested in is, like, the the guy who's right next to the hero. Like, <laughs> the person who's, like, who b- ends up being friends or best friends with the person who gets all the powers and is trying their hardest to stay by their side and get a bit of recognition, but has to accept the fact that they just can't do that. and. Throughout the series, like Junpei actually voices these opinions. Like I, I'm putting in just as much work. I, I, I'm trying just as hard as you. Do. Why does everything come so easily to you? And the fact that a bit of resentment does actually develop from that. Like, and, and that most people would get a bit resentful of, no matter how much you like someone or like seeing someone get things that you feel you should also be getting does create that resentment. And the fact that he acts upon it and he ends up forming a connection with ostensibly an enemy and his entire arc through that with um, Chidori is like, your heart really goes out to the guy because God, remember these people in their adolescence, like they're just becoming the sort of people that they mm-hmm. will be for the rest of their life. And yeah. these huge sentimental sen- sen- moments are happening to him and if you think about it, like a lot of his story isn't that nice. Like he has a pretty depressing arc throughout this game. And he, and he, he's because he's the, oh, he's the lovable best friend. He always has to portray as, oh, we're positive. Like I've got your back sort of, but sort of character when actuality he's going through quite a few issues himself. And because of it, the way he presents himself, nobody thinks to ask him.
3: I think the character that I was most interested in, and maybe this is a, really kind of stupid choice but the main (laughs) character like he was such a (laughs) blank slate that it really kind of stood out given how much um how much was happening around him and how much was and how big of a personality everybody else had the fact that he was just able to kind of like quietly slip by without saying much of anything without really meaningfully interacting with people like he'll take people to the movies and just kind of walk out and they'll be running circles and telling him all about the movies and he's just standing there with his hands in his pockets and it kind of made me think of like like I saw this documentary growing up about uh Charles Manson and they were saying that you know what <laughs> that they respected him because he was always in control of himself. And they said like, thinking back, I don't know if I ever saw him taking the drugs that we were taking. So while we were all running around and having a good time, he was just kind of like cool and collected. And that's kind of how I like, there's something inherently sinister and kind of like almost sociopathic about the way that the main character doesn't react to anything. But that makes him so interesting because when he does make this big decision at the end of the game, you don't really have as much of a ground as to like where this is coming from you don't know what he actually thinks of the other characters and a lot of this probably mm. just goes back to like they wanted to create a silent protagonist so that you could project your own feelings onto him and he made the choice because of the choice that you would have made as the player but just based on what's on screen he is he's a very puzzling character especially since he is often you know shooting himself in the
1: head um, what one of the things that they did, like um, I don't know if any of you know, but they actually made a Persona 3 movie series, mm-hmm. and one of the things like that they have to do um, is give the main character a personality because there isn't a person <laughs> playing them, and it comes across this person is an immense weirdo because <laughs> he, he 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 doesn't speak when people speak <laughs> to him. Sounds about right, <laughs> and. <laughs> They it actually hammers home like the first opening moments when people are introduced to him and him not actually vocally responding to people. <laughs> like, you can understand that this person is a bit empty and that comes across mm. a bit more. So yeah. I I think the main character is interesting in that sense because as more becomes apparent later on, they the way they've written it is it makes, it comes as more of a interesting reveal rather than um just not narr- just um yeah a blank state sort of thing yeah uh
0: some some other characters that i think are worth uh mentioning um igus is yeah. uh, a, a mm-hmm. fantastic um, character and kind of comes in right at the point in the plot where things are becoming a little bit more uh crazy yeah um because up until this point um i think Pretty much all the characters have been normal human teenagers. Yeah. Um, Igus is a uh, android robot uh, specifically designed to destroy uh, shadows. Um, uh, she, uh, her entire body is mechanical except for her face, which <laughs> is creepily human. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I think she has a fairly typical arc for, you know, a a robot uh, cast member where she starts out quite uh, emotionless and unable to connect with her human. uh, her human friends, but um as as the game goes on, she starts to feel more, starts to grasp more of the human experience and and yeah, I just think it's a really strong take on a familiar arc.
1: I really think you you really covered her. Uh okay. she is that um stereotypical um like artificial life finds human emotion sort of arc. And
3: that comes um, into a fuller um place in
1: the answer anyways like it's uh very complicated there Mm. yeah another one of my favorite characters is uh shinjiro um this like his entire introduction arc is so it's devastating um Mm. literally a person who like life was destroyed by a moment that was ostensibly out of his control and he has spent his entire being with that guilt and trying to somehow reconcile these emotions within him. And when the culmination of all the events that you see have been happening in the background to him, when it all comes to a hedge, like it's heartbreaking when you see like he sacrifices himself to save the child of the parents he killed. And he feels like mm, this is yeah. justice because he needs to die of what he's done.
2: The really tragic part is that I don't like Ken at all.
0: I would much rather have (laughs) him. (laughs) As Leah said, I I don't think Ken is a particularly strong character. He's only interesting because of this interaction with uh, Shinjiro. Otherwise, I think for the rest of the plot, he's pretty dull and uninteresting and borderline annoying. Um, Akihiko, I don't think... uh, i do like him i think he's you know pleasant and i will often use him in my party because he's so strong and powerful but i didn't really emotionally connect to him until this death um Mm -hmm. his his grief over over shinjiro's death is is it's really quite powerful and i did actually feel something during those moments but after that um I can take or leave Akihiko. Um he's uh, he's a bit mm. too kind of I don't know, just straight laced and kind of too eager to fight everyone. It's just I Yeah. Uh, he's, uh,
1: he's the Ryu kind of character. Like he has one goal in life and because he's so like this is his thing, like it makes everything else about his life less interesting. These spikes of his friendship with Mitsuru and um, Shinjiro like those are the moments that make his character interesting the fact that ostensibly a person who he sees as his brother who has been going through um, like a terrible emotional state this entire time and he hasn't he you, you can tell like during those moments he's been trying to help him in some way but without truly knowing how to and the fact that he's lost this person because I, I feel like he does Responsible because he didn't get there in time and didn't he didn't um help Shinjiro through his issues.
0: Uh the other character that we haven't mentioned yet, uh Kurumaru, is a dog. I love and uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's very cute, but that's the extent of his character. <laughs> he's
1: just a oh, dog. Wait. He does have Cerberus as a persona. That's okay. pretty cool. That is cool. Okay. I'm done.
2: <laughs> I frequently had him in my party. Actually, yeah. I, I really, I actually like Korra. I just, I don't know. I he doesn't have a whole lot
1: going on
4: for a him, but he's super dog loyal with you.
2: And you can yeah, give no, him a I... knife. He carries a knife in his mouth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. I like him, but you know, he's kind of the mascot character yeah. in this game, and he doesn't compare to Teddy. Um, mm-hmm. Teddy is is so much so much more into... I mean, he has that cute, funny factor going for him, but he's also a character in his own right, whereas Kurumaru is, hey, it's a dog. Isn't that cool? Um, which is great. Uh, sorry, I've just realised I've forgotten one other character. Um, Fuka. Uh, mm. Who I have mixed feelings about. Um, I don't know how the rest of you feel. I think this is a character. Unfortunately, in the English uh, version of the game, is kind of undermined by what it, what in this game is the weakest performance. In any other JRPG, this would probably be the strongest yeah. performance. But because the standard uh, the standard is so high, um, I think Fuka's voice actress stands out as quite weak. I mean, she has this arc where she starts off as really, really um, socially anxious, mm. and then, and and then is a lot more confident towards the end of the game. Um, but ultimately, you know, one of this game's strength, uh, strengths is that all of these characters are measurably different by the end of the game. Like Junpei is a very different person by the end of the game he starts out as an immature um jerk uh to be blunt and then ends up being quite mature um he's still jokey he's still light-hearted but he's not the child he was uh, mitsuru again a great arc yukari um starts out as being really kind of resentful and ends up being a huge mm-hmm. um a, a hugely important you know support character whereas fuka just gets more confident and that's it and i just it, it, her arc while there while you know relatively well written is just not anywhere near as interesting as the other characters around her yeah Let's move on to uh, talk about some uh, other characters that you meet along the way but, um, and specifically some plot points that they're associated with. The leader or, you know, the person guiding you, um, the SEAS group, uh, Ik- um, uh He is presented to you as a kind of awkward, uh, you know, schoolteacher teacher. Who's making all sorts of awkward jokes that aren't very funny, and everyone's like, "Oh God, yeah." And for the most, you know, majority of the game, you kind of uh, don't perceive him as any anything more than just kind of a source of exposition, and uh, and that's about it. But uh, at a certain point in the game, when you've defeated. All the uh, uh, Arcana shadows. Um, it's revealed that uh, destroying all these um, these shadows does not, in fact, um, end the uh, end the Dark Hour, as Kutsky had been telling you all this time. It, in fact, is the trigger for what will eventually uh, culminate in the apocalypse. Um, and I felt this deception, this twist um was actually really well handled. Now I know, Ryan, earlier you um mentioned that you really don't like uh false endings, and I believe this is what you were referring to at the time.
3: Yeah, but it was more just because of uh I, I just kind of mechanically grown tired of it rather than it not resonating with me narratively.
0: I, I didn't like that the game had set the goalpost at one point and told me reach this floor in Tartarus yeah, exactly. and mm. and you'll be done. And then it was like, oh no, there's a hundred more floors after this. Yeah. And it and it did. And it it was a moment where I was, like, oh, really. But um, at that point, I had become so attached to these characters, and I did think the twist was effectively handle, handled. I didn't see it coming. I didn't predict it, and. I I think it I think it's an interesting plot point to have that all the work you had done uh, up until this point was actually the reverse of what you thought it was going to be. You were effectively helping bringing you know to bring an end to the world instead of uh, saving it. And I thought that was really well handled. But as you say, you look at the the um, you know the. The uh, Tartarus menu, and you see how many more floors you have, and you you do audibly groan the first time you see it.
1: I'm very much with you guys. Like, I really love the plot-wise, the twist and the setup, and like, I did not expect Um Shuji to be um the the heel, um to take a term, the uh, mm-hmm. actual overarching villain, because I had literally come to. Um, trust and see him as a like positive influence on everybody, and have him to do this complete turnaround and to be the manipulator behind everything was quite affecting. Um, though to be fair, um, because my history with the previous games, I was sort of expecting it, because um. One of the themes of Shin Megami Tensei is always the apocalypse. Like, in Lucifer's Core, the first game that I played, the apocalypse just happened, and, you like, you're after that. So, on some level, I was expecting, like, a worse sort of fate, but I didn't expect a betrayal. And the reveals that come after that, I still didn't expect. Um, but I do find... I did find, initially, the, like extra flaws that had to go through a bit frustrating.
2: Yeah, I'd agree because I, the, as as everybody's been saying, uh, narratively, yeah, it really does make sense, but just mechanically, I, I, I don't like Tartarus as much as I liked the dungeons in Persona 4. It just gets too monotonous after a while. Um, whereas in Persona 4, you know, you have that variety and you have the, the personality, Uh, in each of them in Tartarus, you basically every 20 floors or so you get a different color set like and that's kind of it
1: and one of the difference actually one of the differences between fez and the original release of persona 3 is that they made the encounters a bit easier so when one of the things i noticed when i played fez is that that the stretch of tartarus like the final stretch was a bit easier because they had toned down the difficulty a bit
0: um another group that you encounter um in your travels is strager who kind of act as the anti-seas in a lot of ways um they're a group that use the dark hour to um basically uh do all sorts of uh horrible tasks mainly for their own gain um they'll kill people in the dark hour and um when it's revealed that your group are um intending to essentially end the dark hour that's when um you end up clashing with this group um i think that by and large personally speaking i i found them kind of two-dimensional with the exception of Chidori, um, who ends up having a relationship with Junpei, which culminates in her, um, unfortunately, sacrificing her life. Um, And it, for me, is one of the big emotional points in the game. But uh, Takaya, the the leader of the group, is kind of a moustache-twirling, two-dimensional villain for the majority of this game.
1: Yeah, it's one that downsides of having so many characters and having um like more focus on the like the twist and betrayal of the plot rather than these people who are set up to bad guys they have to be just like too opposed to you like they just they don't like what you're doing they're out to stop you um I do like the bit of where the um corporation essentially created them like they were part of a project. To artificially create persona users, and I do understand the like motivation, like the dark hours, like where they get power, like this is their, like they don't want to let go of that. Mm.
2: I didn't find them to be a particularly strong part of the story, and that's that is kind of a shame because, as Jerome was saying, there is some interesting stuff behind them. So I mean, it just the the situation that they came out of. Uh, it is kind of neat, and and just how they handled it, I maybe wasn't the strongest part of of the writing in this game.
3: I think the characters themselves, like I, I found them kind of interesting in this. Like they uh, were a nice kind of mix up to the formula, and they were another kind of unpredictable factor while all of this was going down. I don't think the story really would have lost anything without them. I think that dealing with the kind of incoming apocalypse is enough to have on your plate without having a group who has vested interests and wanting to make sure that and then they do towards the end of the story like kind of form some kind of religion around this coming end of the world which got a little complicated and I'm not not sure all the factors really added up for me but um, yeah I think Chidori's story was was pretty strong and uh, I, I didn't dislike any of the characters i just think that they were kind of expendable
0: and i think Strayer kind of highlight one of the big big differences between this and persona 4 in that um i think the broad strokes of the story of persona 3 are stronger i think thematically the territory it explores is is more interesting to me but the nuances the kind of the finer points of the plot i think are stronger in persona 4 because there isn't there isn't a feeling that there are characters who aren't necessary Mm. to the plot of persona 4 um even though i think in a lot of ways the plot is simpler in persona 4 it's also more focused and more finely tuned and and it doesn't suffer from from characters like the characters in straga that kind of feel vestigial that you know if you remove them um i don't think the plot would suffer in any way in any meaningful way um another character who's introduced very late into the plot of uh, persona 3 is Ryoji. Um, and ryoji is really important um because as um uh, you know more revelations kind of come about um you realize that ryoji has actually been with you in a different form Mm -hmm. throughout the um you know throughout the game um so the protagonist um has visions of this little boy who has you sign the contract at the beginning of the game, but visits you during the dark hour at several points in the game, um, kind of compelling you to press on with your mission. Um, And what you realise is by killing um, all the shadows that appear during um, uh, during the full moons, you're actually piecing together this being that had been trapped or or you know fragmented um 10 years ago and this being is actually um the manifestation of death uh, and um what's revealed um as uh the plot goes on Ryoji and uh, igus end up having a clash um where the the game uh shows this really beautiful battle between the two of them in this anime cutscene, but it uses that as an opportunity to dump a lot of exposition on the player. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's revealed that Igus had a battle with the Arcana of Death um ten years ago and was unable to defeat the uh the Arcana fully, so was forced to trap the being in the uh The closest person that she could uh, see and it happened to be the protagonist of of the story and after piecing together all the different you know um having destroyed all the arcana and kind of piecing death to death back together again ryoji is that manifestation of death born again and um, he doesn't know it at first because he at, at the you know to begin with he's um, portrayed as just a transfer student who who's just you know he's just turned up he has a cool scarf he, uh, yeah mm-hmm. I like his scarf it's it's yeah. way too big um, uh, but then yeah he he slowly regains his memory and realizes that inevitably he is going to summon um, this being called Nix which is going to trigger the apocalypse. Um, how, how does everyone feel about, firstly, Ryoji as a character, but also how the, the final moments of the game are handled in terms of um, you know, the summoning of Nyx, but also the choice that Ryoji gives you, where he essentially says, either give up now or continue fighting knowing it's fruitless.
3: I think it's kind of hard to get around how late he was introduced in the game, which I understand story-wise why this was, but um, yeah, he felt like somebody that late in the game wasn't going to be like a party member, which I think they kind of wanted us to think he was going to be at first.
0: Yeah,
2: I thought that it was pretty obvious that he was going to turn out to be, uh, and I'm not even sure why, because I, I mean, maybe it's just that they. They have some similar features, but yeah. I, I thought that it was kind of obvious when they introduced him that, yes, this is this kid that's been following you around. And, and at that point, you don't know why and you don't know exactly who he is or what he is. Um, But I I made that connection, I think, pretty quickly.
1: I really liked what they did of um, seeding. um, Like the way the child talks to you is like he knows more than he's letting on. But he's like saying it's not the right time to tell you. And then to have him appear as this character who's finally like he knows who he is and the choice that he presents to you is um like it it's clear like through his interactions with you and spending all this time with you, he's changed, like he's had a perspective of being human, of having life. And the very like a testament to that is like him offering you to he, you can kill him, like he says to you. If you just um, if you kill me now, um, Nix won't be. I believe like Nix won't be able to be summoned, and you'll all forget this ever happened. But this will eventually, like the cycle will repeat itself.
0: Um. No. no. Specifically, he says, if you kill me, you'll forget everything oh to do with the dark hour but nix was is still going to come regardless ah yes so it's the idea of
1: offering you that
0: faith facing you know ignorance is bliss basically is what he's arguing is if i can help you forget that this is going to happen so when it does it just happens and you can you know not have to have this existential dread for waiting for it to happen uh, months in advance.
1: Yeah. Um, I like the fact that um, he, he would, he wants to give you that option of um, like having to go through and face Nick's like he, as, as far as he's concerned, like he thinks that's an hopeless option, but he knows you're going to do it anyway. So to um, remove your memories and to him, that's an act of mercy and, and, I like the fact that he presents that. Um, also, mm. I like the... One, one of the ways that they... One of the things that he call back to about, like, you're, you've you been holding death as, like, you've been the vessel of it. And the fact that they... The very first scene where you summon the persona, where you summon Orpheus, I think that's called, his, his main one's called. Yeah. And then you see the actual death avatar, like, rip out of that... And the fact that that scene has so much more weight now that you have this reveal. Yeah. Like that was like a really nice moment to me. And I call back on that moment. Like that is an excellent way to see something.
0: I I think the final moments of the game, that just the, um, the way that it handles it here in persona three is a lot stronger than persona four. Um, in Persona 3, the bad ending, as it were, is really well flagged. Like That choice that Ryoji gives you, it's pretty clear which is going mm-hmm. to lead to the negative ending and which is going to lead mm. to the rest of the game. Whereas Persona 4, you could pretty much just trip over the yeah. bad ending and not even know it. And so I'm, I'm really glad that Persona 3 does a, a great job of um, flagging that bad ending for the player so it's easy to avoid but also the whole conclusion feels really i i don't know i just i felt way more invested in these final moments than i did in persona 4 and that's saying a lot because i really i really like persona 4 a lot as well but it they made you feel the apocalypse in 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 these final moments um and just the moon tearing open yeah. and feeling the the you know the force of nature that was heading towards everyone um it reminded me even though like the uh the presentation's very different um uh the moon opening up and and kind of uh everyone going into a panic it reminded me of um a um a, a ito horror comic called uh, hellstar ramina mm-hmm. um which also has kind of similar imagery it's a much more that story is a lot more bleak than anything in persona 3 but it did remind me of that kind of um the dread that everyone was feeling as as the moon kind of uh, slowly uh, was tearing people apart um but yeah, I, I, I really love this conclusion and I think the the decision to ultimately um have the protagonist die at the end, yeah. while I at the time felt a bit awkward for me because I really wanted some proper closure with these characters, um, in in retrospect and having had time to dwell on it, I think is thematically Um, the right choice to make as this game is all about death and Mm. and sacrifice and and all of that um i think having it end on that note was the right choice to make
1: yeah um the Nick's bus fight like the end moment where you call on like your experiences in life like that moment it hammers like it's a lot has um it has even more weight to me now that I did like the 100% playthrough because you get everybody you ever, like you've connected with and like to get across that the the way you've gotten through this is um, through um, the reason you're sacrificing yourself and going through this is because you've had a true life, like you're content with what's happening and you're ready to let go. And the fact that um like you technically died 10 years ago, and it, it dawns on you like you've had your second chance and it's time to let go.
0: Okay, and thus ends the journey, which is the campaign that um, exists in every uh, every uh, uh, version of Persona 3. Um, let's briefly touch on the answer, um, which is only found in Persona 3 Fez. Um, this uh, this story is told from igus's perspective rather than the protagonist uh, for obvious reasons um, as the protagonist is dead and a lot of the um, focus of this story is actually how the other characters kind of work through um, their grief Mm -hmm. for the protagonist Mm -hmm. um, and their various reactions to it um a new character shows up called uh Beatus. uh I think that's how you pronounce it uh who is also a android similar to igus Um I have to say I'm not a huge fan of the answer mm. because I think it's unnecessary in a lot of ways. Um I think the ending of Persona 3 as it stands in in the journey was perfect and this kind of Added a lot that I didn't feel was needed, and also uh, structurally, uh, gameplay-wise, we're going to talk a, b- a bit more about gameplay uh, for the whole game uh, in a bit. But um it focused on what I think is the weakest part of every Persona game, which is just straight up dungeon crawling. It had none of the social links, or, or mm-hmm. you know activities that ha- normally happen between dungeon crawling. It was just dungeon crawling. Um, so I, I'm not a huge fan of this. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I, I didn't care for the answer very much. I've only played it once. Um, I mean, it's a significant chunk of gameplay. Um, it's I, I'd say it maybe clocks in around 30 hours or so. Um, but it, it's, it's as you said, it's, it is straight up dungeon crawling. Um, and while I think that there's some Valuable story content in there, I think that it's interesting um you know, seeing what has happened to these characters and how this death has affected them i i I do think that some of that is worth being told, but i don't I don't like how it's set up like you don't carry anything over you It's a completely separate experience from the main body of persona three um and and as you say that's for obvious reasons because you know you you can't carry over anything that you've done because you're not playing as the same character because you can't play as the same character. But that means that there's no way you're going to play this if you haven't already played Persona 3, just the regular version of Persona 3, because it wouldn't mean anything story-wise. But since you have played the main body of Persona 3, first of all, you're going to be missing a lot of the things that just aren't there, like the social links, which are a huge, huge part of the game and... and. Something that I I would argue that most people are are gonna really miss, but also you have to redo all of your your fusions and you have to redo all of your you don't come in with anything that you had before. So while yeah you have to do that narratively, it just feels like you're repeating yourself and it it's it, I, I wish that there was a way to get that kind of content without slowing it down as much as that does. Um, I I just yeah I I really didn't care for it. I don't even think there's a compendium is there there's something mm. there was some really big thing that was different about how the fusion worked and i i it has been a while admittedly um but i remember i thought it was i thought it was the compendium
1: yeah um I'm totally with you guys um I've only completed it once through my hundred percent playthrough and it is daunting like and it 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 sort of gives this like negative um a sheen to like the Fez edition because this extra content, like if you if you want a dungeon crawl, great. This is great for you, but um, to lose like everything that you've put in, in the journey, like no longer having social links and just have pure dungeon crawling, it, it misses the the great things about Persona Three. Um, I do like the concept that they present at the start where there's this hole that the protagonist left when he died mm-hmm. and, like, a lot of them have split up and they're not in contact as much and particularly I guess who's sole being was to protect him and, in the end, failed in that mission and what she's been going through. They're like, that is an interesting story to tell but everything that's heaped on, on top of it just, it makes it less doesn't make it worthwhile in the end.
3: I I think it's interesting the fact that you're kind of repeating the same day over and over again. Uh, They do introduce a lot of uh, supernatural elements that I don't really feel are fully explored. Um, But yeah, just the fact that it's more dungeon crawling, which coming straight out of Persona 3, the journey, I wasn't really wanting a lot more of of that at the time the group does kind of all turn against each other at one point um they they get these keys that allow them to travel back in time or something like i i don't know Uh, They get the keys that allow them to travel back in time and they all have different ideas of where they want to go and what they want to fix and eventually the group has to like fight each other in a series of boss battles which is weird um I don't know if it's necessarily bad because I actually kind of like that idea that they're all kind of mourning and doing things that they wouldn't be doing normally. Um, So I'm not really like against that in the same way of like, Oh, it's so heartbreaking to see my friends fight. Like it it kind of makes them more human and it makes them more relatable in that way. But um, it is just a kind of an odd turn of events.
0: I think this part of the answer is by far the most interesting. I think, um, everyone's different take on the protagonist's death and you know essentially that their conflict is do we risk kind of going back in time and saving the protagonist knowing that there's a chance that we'll actually reverse what we accomplished and uh, trigger the end of the world um just to save this one person and, and the side is basically split between people who are like, no, we should, we should at least give it an honest try. And those who are like, no, we, we accomplished something great here. that It means it, it seems silly to just reverse it for this one person. And I think Yukari ends up being the most interesting um, a character to follow in the answer because her reaction to the protagonist's death is so severe compared to everyone else's yeah um uh, to the point where mitsuru actually sides with her not because she necessarily agrees with her but just because mitsuru's like i've got to support Yukari because she's breaking down and she was there for me when i broke down so i need to uh, you know i need to be f- uh, be there for her as well and i i thought that was fascinating.
1: Yeah, I think the main thing that we've taken away is that the mechanical and the game side of things are a detriment to the actual interesting themes and con con uh concepts and plot that they want to get across.
0: Finally, we're we're getting onto the gameplay. Um it may seem weird that I've chosen uh to talk about the gameplay um last, but Persona 3, apart from some key differences, Persona 3 and Persona 4 are quite similar in this area. And I didn't want us to kind of just be repeating the exact same thing we said in that show. Um, that said, Ryan wasn't on Persona 4, uh, on the mm-hmm. Persona 4 sh- show, so I'm sure you'll have some um, new points that he'll want to bring up for these, mm-hmm. these different sections. But also there are there are some meaningful... Uh, differences Um, so what you're you know mainly doing uh, throughout the game is this turn based combat and dungeon exploration Um, and it functions much the same as Persona 4 Um, the key difference being is much the dungeon exploration entirely takes place within Tartarus whereas Persona 4 had these dungeons that were dedicated to specific characters um how how do we feel um these approaches kind of um differ and how do we feel about those two approaches we've already kind of touched on it before but um if you want to elaborate on your feelings towards this style
3: i really don't care for the main kind of gameplay loop of this game the fact that you have and kind of a countdown until a boss, and you're basically just kind of grinding for levels until you think you're strong enough to handle this boss, in which case I mean you either are or you aren't at that point when it comes around, and you know, just at the beginning of the new cycle when it would just say basically, here's some more floors, start grinding again, uh, since I didn't find the Tartarus itself to be inherently interesting in the same way that I did in Persona four, in which the different floors would represent things about the characters and so you were getting some kind of like story um story beats through the exploration of the environment um since i didn't get that then i was just left feeling like i was just grinding for levels essentially
2: one thing i will say in favor of the tartarus exploration as opposed to the uh the inside the tv dungeons of persona 4 is that at least you know exactly how long you have in tartarus you have until the next full moon it's not like eh, i don't know whenever it rains for a while i i didn't hate tartarus but i did feel that it was the dungeon crawling was often something that you did until it was time to social link again <laughs> for me yeah. at least
0: yeah i i feel similarly um i do enjoy the turn-based combat in these games um mainly because There's a uh, a focus uh, on exploiting enemy weaknesses and and chaining uh, attacks together because um, if you exploit a weakness, you get an extra turn for your character and so forth and so on. But after a while, um, especially if you're over-leveled, it can get quite tedious going through Tartarus. Um, At least in Persona 4, because... You know, it wasn't one big dungeon. It was several smaller dungeons. There was a greater sense of momentum in Persona 4, where Mm. you felt like you were, right, I've accomplished that dungeon. Move on to the next one, where it was just this massive grind in Persona 3. Um, I mean, thankfully, I think the stuff around um, the dungeon is so interesting that it didn't bother me too much. I kind of dedicated one day of the week to be, this is Tartarus Day and uh, I will do, you know, progress to this floor or reach this level for the characters and that kind of Mm -hmm. fit into my schedule. Um, But no, I I can see why people would, you know, be put off by this structure.
1: Early on, like when it first came out and I first played like you, I had quite a lot of time on my hands. Um, So, and... I'm someone who, essentially, like I do grinding, like even when I don't have to, because I like the feeling of being over leveled and overpowered for the rest of the mechanical side of the game. So, um, those first few playthroughs, I don't mind it as much because I put put in like the hours to the point where I could just breeze through later parts. But subsequently, coming back to it later playthroughs, like um. I I'm less like Tartarus has grinded on my nerves more and more. And the fact that your characters get um exhausted and you have you get diminishing returns like, you have to leave it for the rest of the day is like it it does wear it it has over time like weared on my nerves.
0: Another aspect of the uh, gameplay, which we covered uh, on the Persona 4 show, is the social links, which end up kind of feeling, to me, like one of the main reasons why I keep playing these games. Uh, I love engaging in these social links and and interacting with these characters and, and levelling up my relationship with them to improve... Um, you know my chances of creating um uh more powerful personas using those social links and that feeding into combat i just i love everything about social links and everything i said in the persona 4 show kind of holds true here also um uh, does anyone have any memorable social links outside of the main cast um are there any other um social links that kind of stand out for you
2: the French foreign exchange student.
4: Yeah. <laughs> he's,
2: he's one of my favorites. I don't even remember what his arcana is. It's, um, <laughs> no, I, just, he, I thought he was adorable.
3: <laughs> I really like that dying lad. I don't remember his name.
2: The one who's out on the bench in the park on Sundays. Um, yeah, I don't remember his yeah, name either. Yeah. I think he's the sun social link though.
1: Uh, I think his name is Akinari or something like that. He seem kind of like thematically resonant with the game as well. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the ones I enjoyed was uh, I think it was The Hermit um, You play an online MMORPG And they basically, They, they used this section to make a callback To um, Persona 2 Innocent Sin I think it was called Like they called the game Innocent Sin And the character that you're talking to Is, a, is the protagonist from The extra part of Persona 2
2: um, one thing that I did want to mention um, before we get off the subject of social links um, is that you can—I I, I kind of briefly talked about this before—but in the uh, portable version of Persona 3, um, you can actually play as a female protagonist.
4: Yes. Um,
2: and and I have gone through mm-hmm. the game that way. I don't know if any of you have, but yeah. um, it's it's interesting to me because the social links are not the same. In some cases, they're not even with the same person, Mm -hmm. Uh, and in some cases, they are with some of the same people, but the social link plays out completely differently. But I don't think that they're as well, I, I like, I love that the option exists, and for the most part, I think it works out pretty well, but you can tell with some of them that they had to work around some of the constraints that the story was already throwing at them. Yeah. Um, because, like, you have a social link with Junpei, but as a female character, you can't set up a relationship with him because it would interfere with the whole storyline with Chidori farther down the line. Um, so, I mean, it, it's stuff like that. I It's, it's nothing... I, I would never say that it was, you know, poorly written because it's certainly not. It's just you can tell that they're kind of having to work with what they have because there are some things that, since the story... Since adding the female main character in was something that happened after the fact, they can't work that in and, you know, make those concessions from the beginning. They kinda had to uh to write around a few things. You can't have a social link with Koromaru though, and I think that's pretty cool.
3: I'm I'm kind of curious about Maya, who Jerome mentioned earlier, and um Kenji, is that his name? Because uh, there's a yeah. little bit of a uh teacher's dating students yeah. theme going oh, yeah. on in this game, which is maybe that's just kind of like read differently in the west than it would be in the east but it it felt really uh like it kind of a strange thing and i I think they kind of played it for laughs in in both situations but um i don't know it's strange for there to be two storylines that kind of go in a similar direction
0: we're gonna hear from our community later on on this subject Hmm. also but i really don't like kenji at all (laughs) In fact, I dislike him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I I I mean, I disliked him so much that I actively sabotaged that social link (laughs) so he would never talk to me again. Um because you can do that Um, something the game doesn't tell you is that you can pick so many negative dialogue options that a character will never speak to you again and I deliberately did that with Kenji because I thought his whole plan with his teacher and trying to ask her out was so stupid I just didn't want to have anything to do with him
1: the whole link, you just want dude, she's your teacher She's <laughs> all, she's not interested. Leave it alone. I nice. I know I'm supportive friend, but um it, it's time for you to
2: Yeah, a real <laughs> friend would smack some sense into him. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. it He's just, just doubled down how well. how out of touch the protagonist is. Oh yeah, go and get nothing weird about that. Yeah, sure, you can try and date your teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Kenji, not a fan. Yeah. Okay, um, let's hear from our community. If you want to contribute uh, to the podcast, please go over to slash forum and share any opinions you have on upcoming issues of the podcast. Let's start with Gallopinto. Persona 4 Golden was my first experience with the Persona series, and I fell completely in love with it. The music, the characters, the setting were perfect, and it's been my favourite game of the last 15 years. That deep affection for Persona 4 made me a little hesitant to go back and play Persona 3. I didn't see how it could possibly compare, and I didn't feel ready to put 80 hours into another JRPG. But I moved house last year and I found myself with a longer subway commute so I bought the PSP version and dove in. And it turns out Persona 3 is a fantastic game. The first thing that struck me was how wildly different it feels in both style and tone. Everything is soaked in blue and the characters spend long amounts of time talking about the nature of death and the entire cast is put through significantly more trauma. The other big difference is that the characters are just so weird. Whereas the Persona 4 team was a slightly exaggerated group of high school friends, the Persona 3 team starts out normal enough and then eventually adds a little kid, a robot super weapon, and a dog. I wasn't a huge fan of the protagonist's visual design, but the look of his teammates more than made up for it. I think that the relationship between Yukari and Mitsuru deserves special recognition. Games have gotten better recently, but they're still not great at portraying female friendship. I'm a secondary school teacher, and I thought the writers nailed the dynamic between two driven, highly competitive teenage girls. The way Yukari resented Mitsuru at the beginning of the game felt very authentic to me, as did the slow thawing of their relationship. I loved that when Mitsuru was at her lowest moment, it was Yukari, not the protagonist, who was there to pick her up and give her a reason to keep fighting. The last thing I wanted to mention is that Persona 3 absolutely nails its ending. A story about the crushing inevitability of death and how people choose to act when confronted with it could only end one way. Hearing igus's anguished voice slowly become more and more human was a great touch. Powerful ending to a powerful game. Next is Kerosene Blast. After playing and loving the Shin Megami Tensei Digital Devil Saga series, I looked into Atlas's other JRPGs. Persona 3 Fez had come out, and I saw that it rated well, so I decided to pick it up. I figured it would be a game I would play on and off when I came home from college, and nothing more. Just a distraction until the next Final Fantasy. Boy was I wrong. I started playing over Christmas break, and I couldn't put it down. Its dark atmosphere gripped me and immersed me in its world unlike most other games. The music, a mix of rap, J-pop, and somber piano, was so unlike any other JRPG soundtrack. But it fit the mood and kept me listening. Even the dungeon crawling, though tedious, was compelling enough to keep me engaged. The story was mature, and not in the sex and violence kind of way, but dealing with concepts and issues that challenge and intrigue the player. The amount of content and the quality thereof is staggering considering their budget, especially compared to other AAA JRPGs. But what sold me on the game was the social link system. I don't know why, but role-playing a Japanese high school boy going around and making friends was so engaging it kept me coming back. Maybe because it was so completely different from any other JRPG I had played. Maybe because it was so well written and provided character development lacking in many JRPGs. I just knew I kept running around school looking for exclamation points above my friends heads hoping that I could advance their story a bit more. I picked up the PSP version in a sale and played through as a female protagonist. While it improved a lot from the original PS2 version and the new social links were very interesting, the graphical loss hurt the game's narrative. It's harder to express emotion in just a portrait of a character head than a full scene where you can see all the characters. These problems were thankfully fixed in Persona 4 Golden. Worth playing, but sadly lacking. Overall, Persona 3 introduced me to a new side of video games that had. N- Overall, Persona 3 introduced me to a new side of video games that I had never considered before. It led me to, in my opinion, the best JRPG yet, Persona 4 Golden, and showed me how you could play with the genre in new and interesting ways. It's introduced me to the basics of visual novels, a genre that I really enjoy now, and I still have the soundtrack in my playlist. Ultimately, it reminded me why I love JRPGs. Uh, regular contributor uh, from the forum, Tordino, says, Persona 3 is an important game to me for a couple of reasons. First of all, I played it during a particularly difficult time, and it actually helped me get through it. The other reason is that it's thanks to Persona 3 that I was actually able to get into the JRPG genre. I had played JRPGs before, but I had never finished one. I had altogether given up on the genre as something that simply wasn't for me. But thankfully Persona 3 became the first JRPG I ever finished and opened a whole new genre of games that I've grown to really like over the years. The first thing that got my attention was the style of the game. The look and sound of it was very different from any other games that I had come across. The music was a mix of J-pop and hip-hop and the visual style was very anime inspired but with a dark edge to it, especially in the unique designs of the Personas and the Shadows. What really got me invested, though, was the story and the characters. I mean, it's not every day that you find a game whose main themes are death, loss and suicide. You'd expect with such dark themes the game would be very depressing, but I found that Persona 3 managed to keep a good balance between the light-hearted and serious moments, making the story much easier to digest and making the darker emotional moments hit much harder. The characters themselves were very well written, thanks to the game dedicating much of its time expanding and developing them to the point that, by the end, it actually made me fall in love with a character that I absolutely hated to begin with. The ending also deserves special recognition for doing everything it should and more, delivering what I consider to be one of the best endings to a video game I've ever seen. It's so good, in fact, that I refrained from playing the extra campaign that comes afterward, fearing it might tarnish it. Now one aspect of the game that really surprised me was the gameplay, which had been the bane of my existence in JRPGs I had played previous. Persona 3 does a great job of streamlining the JRPG formula. There's one town where you do everything and the story focuses on character development, which is the game's strength. There's one dungeon to both progress the story and grind. The combat is very fast-paced, focusing on attacking enemy weaknesses and switching personas, making a far more engaging process than I had previously thought possible. While it's true that the gameplay is lacking compared to its successor, Persona 4, it was thanks to it that I was able to get through the JRPG wall that had kept me from the genre for many years. For these many reasons, Persona 3 remains a special game to me. It was the first JRPG I had ever finished, and in my opinion still remains the best. I think anyone with any interest in the genre should play and consider investing their time in it." Right, so let's hear from Tom Hewlett, a Game Director at Way Forward. Uh, regular Cane and Rinse listeners might remember Tom Hewlett as the producer of the latter Silent Hill games. Um, and he shared some correspondence with us uh, during that series, and it's great to hear from him again. And it sounds like uh, he had a hand in this game as well. Persona 3 was the last game I worked on as an editor at Atlas USA. I left about a month into its localization, so I only handled the graphical text, store signs, battle effects, and a handful of social links. We all knew the game was something special, so waiting nearly a year to finally dig into the game felt herculean at the time. It was one of the few games that I could say made an impression on its aesthetic alone. It was so slick and modern, just looking at it felt cool. For how many games are steeped in Japanese culture, it's surprising how rare games capture the energy of the vibrant Tokyo youth scene. The world ends with you and the recent Personas being the only ones I can name. When I got my hands on the final version, I was pleased, though not surprised, to find a deep, polished and fun experience. Persona 3, of course, was the next in a long line of addictive atlas RPGs but its structure had been completely rebuilt into something different and unexpected. The life sim elements played a larger role than I realised and that's the crux of what makes Persona 3 and 4 such brilliant games. You are never wasting your time. We've all grown accustomed to games full of diversions. Most games today pad themselves out with millions of tiny subtasks which might appeal to gamers who are especially smitten by the gameplay. I myself happily fell victim to Arkham City's Riddler trophies. The downfall of that approach is, of course, getting disconnected from the main narrative, or losing track of key gameplay elements, etc. Not so in Persona 3. Whether you feel like attending your school clubs, shopping for items, wandering town fusing personas or grinding through the dungeon, you are making the right decision. It works because the myriad of systems are all linked together, making friends enhances the abilities of the personas you may fuse, which in turn make you more effective in battle, which levels you up and allows for even more fusing. Random tasks like studying and eating open up even more social link options, letting the cycle continue. It positions Persona 3 as the perfect game for players with unpredictable schedules. If you only have 10 minutes to play, there is something satisfying to do in that time. If you've got a few hours, Tartarus awaits, though you'll likely spend much of that time in the menu planning out your fusions. As far as my experience, I flew through Tartarus as far as it would let me on the first night of a cycle, then spent the rest of the month doing social links returning a few random nights to do quests, and fuse more Personas. I'd been burnt out on JRPGs for a few years prior, but Persona 3 was impossible to put down. I poured hour after hour into it, even levelling my party to 99, just because I didn't want to stop playing. There's plenty else I could say about the lovable cast, great voice work, gripping plot, but I'm sure that will be covered. I love the gameplay systems and how they fit together. That's more than enough to make Persona 3 a favorite. Okay, let's hear our free word reviews. Um, If you have a a short opinion that you want to share with us on future shows, uh, check out our Twitter uh, feed, uh, at Kane and Rince, and every once in a while we'll ask for a free word review for the game that we're covering that day. Uh, Let's start with Jerome.
1: Okay. Connell says, go away, Kenji. True words were never spoken.
0: (laughs) Liam Edwards says, wasted uni time.
2: Ben Perry says, baby, baby, baby.
3: Brad Galloway of Game Critics says, must play Fez. That's
1: F-E-S, by the way. (laughs) Not the game Fez. Zoe says, thunder, rain, death.
0: Tom Woods says, "Carl Young JRPG." Philip
2: Harris says, "Best ending ever."
3: David C. Nightmares and tests. Jesse Fuchs says, F- "Off Kenji."
0: <laughs> Peter Cleave says, "Endless bar filling."
2: Simon Cole says, "Straight A student."
3: Gaio Pinto, fun existential crisis.
1: And Hypnocrite says, Revitalized the genre.
0: Okay, all that's left for us now is to summarize our opinions of the game and maybe give a hint about our hopes for Persona 5 uh, when it eventually comes out. Um, let's start with Ryan.
3: Uh, yeah, you know, going back to this one, I, I think that the writing is still the strongest part of this series um i i technically played this before persona 4 although it was so long ago that i feel like i kind of forgotten so i was kind of experiencing most of this anew and so in that sense i kind of consider persona 4 to be my like foundational persona experience um and I, I have to say that there were a lot of things about this one that I, I didn't feel were as strong. Um, I don't feel like I got as attached to the cast. Uh, even though there are some very good characters in here, I just, you know, it didn't seem as dynamic as the cast of, uh, of persona four. There weren't as many kind of polarizing characters. Um, I, but I think that the slightly darker tone does work in its favor. Um, There's something that kind of rides on that border between um, just like really sappy and emo and being like actually kind of badass and cool about teenagers shooting themselves in the head to summon demons. Like that's, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it it kind of appeals to like the hot topic wearing emo kid inside of all of us. Um, And so, you know, for that reason, I think that there's... There's some really strong stuff here, but it's kind of mired by the repetitive gameplay loop, which I can never really get behind. Um, It's a lot of grinding. It's a lot of the same. And even though it's a pretty good battle system and some um, pretty decent writing, um, ultimately I kind of grew tired of it at about the same point that I quit last time. And so, you know, I, I (coughs) I probably would have quit at the same point again if i wasn't compelled to finish for the show as for persona 5 i will leave it up to the talented creators i i honestly am hoping that it is just something that is so out of left field that uh, i won't even know what to begin to compare
1: it against jerome persona 3 over time has become more complicated like what if i Whenever I try to recommend it to people, it just has a list of caveats I have to add for which version they might have to play. But for me personally, it will always have, like, a special place um, because I really love the plot and the story and it has probably my favourite Persona character in there as Mitsuru. And I really love, like, social links and just spending day-to-day, like... Um, eeping out like what what I should do today. Should I go spend time with Kenji? No. Um, Should I spend time with Mitsu? Yes. (laughs) But um, I feel like I've reached the cap on how many times I might play it because I have gone through it like six or seven times and each time the mechanical side of things, the dungeon crawling, it does wear thin. So um I really feel while well, I really do think people should experience this, I can't honestly recommend it, but it'll always be special to me. As for Persona 5, um, I've loved everything I've seen. Like, I don't think they could disappoint me. And that is a feeling that I rarely ever have.
0: So I, I love Persona 3. um i absolutely adore it um I, I i'd be hard pressed to pick a favorite between persona 3 and 4 which i've already said but my gut is to go with persona 3 just because i think it's so successful in um in its storytelling um in the broad strokes of its storytelling at least and um the characters are so compelling. Um, I really struggle to think of um, another cast of characters um, outside of the persona persona games persona three and four that I've gotten this attached to um, and this um, and this um, connected to um, maybe mass effect um, maybe something like that but honestly um, I just i it's really hard to compare um, any other game experience uh, in terms of just getting me to care about a group of people as much as these games have um, i I do like a lot of the systems in these games i I do I really like the combat uh, the problem is there's too much of it um, I think. Uh, Persona 4 does a much better job of balancing all the elements of the game, um, and it feels like it moves at a greater pace. Even though the you know ultimately these games are pretty much the same length, um, yeah, I I absolutely adore Persona 3, and it's p- pretty much my favourite JRPG. Leah,
2: I agree with a lot of what uh what you just said, Josh. Um, I. I, I think that I would probably tend the opposite direction if I had to pick a favorite um but you know what a week from now that could change i i I really do think that Persona three and Persona four are extremely close um in in my mind, and they are between the two of them they they are my favorite games uh, I mean that's that's probably the highest compliment that I can give them is that even though i I am well aware that they have some flaws. They are not perfect games, but they are they are my favorites. They are games that I will watch other people play. They are games that I will play myself, and, and I have yet to grow tired of them. Um, so I, maybe someday that'll happen, but for now I am perfectly comfortable um, putting them in that place um, for, for myself. Um, as to recommending them for other people, I... I think that I still would um I I might recommend uh, I I it, it's tough for Persona 3 because that that battle system is rough uh, if that's your first kind of your first experience with it but um I don't think that necessarily everybody that I know would enjoy them but I think that if that is a genre that you are already interested in then you you owe it to yourself to try to try a Persona game to try Persona 3 um, and I would say, I would say try three. If you suspect that you're going to play both of them, then I would say try three first. If you like that, you're going to love four also because the uh, the battle system is easier to to kind of grasp. Um, so yes, I, I would recommend uh, that JRPG fans play Persona four. Or, <laughs> well, I would recommend Persona four as well, but that JRPG play, fans play Persona three. Um, and I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to not want to have those games around uh persona five um i i i can't wait (laughs) and i i think that um whatever comes out of it i'm going to be pleased i i bet it's right up there with the other two
0: right that just leaves me to thank our guests um before we head off i'd just like to ask jerome and leah to plug um their various works um whether it be podcasting websites or etc etc uh jerome do you have anything to plug for us yep
1: you can find me over at game burst um we do uh twice weekly show. sunday's the news and thursdays often in quiz roundtable or replay or played um this month our played game is Ori in the blind forest so um if you want to play along and Send in your answers for that. Um you can find us over at GameBurst.
0: And Leah.
2: Uh well, I have a blog currently that is uh late to the party chat.wordpress.com. Um, basically I play a lot of games for the first time when they have been out for a long time already, and um, it leads to some, well, what I think are some interesting revelations um, about them. So um, I started writing them down, and um, you can find that over there. My latest was on Majora's Mask, which I had not played until very recently. Um, And I've also been on a number of the Zelda podcasts uh, here at at Kingdom Rants, so if you haven't been listening to those, you should be. Why aren't you? (laughs)
0: okay um thank you all for listening uh next time um on cane and rinse we cap off our exploration of id software's first person shooter legacy before the newest incarnation of doom uh releases um 2000 uh 2011's rage is our next podcast Uh, Until then, uh, here's some lovely J-pop music. Bye-bye, everyone.
4: Kau I'm to Ci 知らずに私は過ごし Feel this the feeling 君にバレてしけり i love through all eternity 優しく見守る私のこの手で眠りなさい笑ってた泣いてた怒ってた君のことを覚えている忘れないいつまでも Kissed her Until my life is as so now a yaku hitotoki かけがえのない時と知らずに私は過ごしていた今はただ大切にしのうよう I, I, I will always be feeling